do so much slurping on this podcast, it's crazy. I believe it. Hi, everybody. This is Busted Business Bureau. I'm Christian Borky. I produce, research, write, and host this podcast myself. If you like it and you love supporting a woman with four jobs, you can help fund this pod at patreon.com slash bureau. Oh, um, I had a fan this week. I, sorry, Monica, I'm dragging you on the pod. Um, <laughs> who like saw me at the Lincoln Lodge, like working. I was doing money and stuff, and she like tapped on the windows, and I felt like a fish in a bowl. And she's like, "I listened to your podcast." Whoa! I know it was huge. It, you know what? If you want to support my podcast, you can also bang on the doors of the Lincoln Lodge and make me feel very famous. Hmm. Maybe bring signs. <laughs> <laughs> Don't bang. That's scary. But signs are nice. I kind of live for the banging. I mean, nobody was there, though. And then Kyle walked in like 10 minutes later and I was like, Kyle, you missed me being so fucking famous. <laughs> are you not unnerved by the banging? No, I, it wasn't. Okay. I described it <laughs> like she was like pounding on the door. Both fists <laughs> against the glass, a crack form. <laughs> it was a ta- it was a, a gentle tap like the cat in the window of the Wiggleyville. Aww. You're not supposed to tap the window. Okay. But I'm assuming it's why they put the sign up is because people kept tapping it. The cat doesn't like it. I like it, though. Okay. Uh, it was like a, a tap to get my attention. Anyways, today I've got somebody on the pod I talked about last week for like four minutes straight. It's my friend of many years, Dylan Cohen, a.k.a. Franklin Pierce. What's up? Hi. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Uh, we mentioned this. I'm fresh off a bath. <laughs> you walked in in front of a bar full of people when I'm marinated, brined, and ready to go. And that was true and it remains true. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, we're going to be talking about grocery stores today. Do you, are you banned from any? Not personally. Oh, that's good. <laughs> but my mom, my mom has worked in a grocery store for mm. the last like seven, eight years, and so I know, I know, it gets kind of wacky in there. Ooh, yeah, an intimate understanding. Mm-hmm. That's just fantastic. I'm so excited to gossip with you about this. Yay! This is going to be so fun. Oh, let me crack my back first. All right. Oh. Do you want to say anything about your Franklin Pierce bit? Do you have anything to plug before we get into this? Because I talked about your comedy for like a long time last week. I know. I was very flattered. It's not every day I'm I'm listening to something and then I'm brought I'm brought up. You and Monica both. <laughs> yeah. Monica, I feel you, girl. I feel you. Yeah. Um I guess uh, just plugging the Lincoln Lodge is doing the future comedy festival and within that, woo woo woo, within that uh, Amy is doing the infamous PowerPoint night. I believe it's September it's Friday 29th. The, mm-hmm, Friday yeah. the 29th at 7.30 p.m. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Maestro. <laughs> so, <laughs> I booked the whole festival, so I have to know what things are. I believe it. I be- Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> have you ever had Instacart? Yeah. Can you describe to me how Instacart works? Yeah, so it's uh, an app an app or perhaps a website who's to say it doesn't have to be particularly a, point by point accurate that's true that's true it's some, it's some kind of uh amorphous Service. yeah thing where you pick your groceries and then someone goes to the grocery store and picks them up for you brings them to your door correct I, sorry that was not a quiz oh, that's okay <laughs> i brought that up because Instacart and humanity has invented nothing new. This is exactly how grocery stores used to work before 1920, minus the phone part. You used to go to the store, ask the grocer for a specific list of stuff, and he'd kind of pick prices based on the vibes at the time. (laughs) So you come, you're like, yo, can I get like milk, eggs, bread? He'd be like, all right, hot girl down the street. (laughs) Here it is for nine cents. Or, hey, guy whose kid bullies my kid, it's actually $27. You Mm. know, it's vibes. It's easy to point out that this is inefficient and expensive. Have you ever ordered a zucchini and then they bring you a cucumber? <laughs> no, but it has definitely, it, I've definitely gotten th- requested things mm-hmm. and then gotten completely different things. And it, it really will put a damper on your whole day. Right. I, when I was doing like curbside pickup, you know, like couldn't go into grocery stores and stuff. I was like, they need more specific options. I'm not going to bitch about it. What am I, 80? You can. Sp- they need more specific <laughs> options about substitution. You can. I get upset if I don't have the specific brand of flour that I like. It makes a difference. That specific cucumber zucchini example did in fact happen to me. <laughs> so sick and evil. <laughs> um, 
Well, okay, so while that old grocery style was inefficient, expensive, it was also quite personal. If you knew your grocer really well, I mean, like, your life was in that guy's hands. Mm. Because, mind you, I said pre-1920, there is no FDA at this point. You are there, and you are praying that the groceries that you get are not um, poison. Recall on this very podcast, in the year of 1900 or 1901, this family had bought some milk uh, and noticed that it was moving. Do you remember this story? If you, I don't, not to quiz you about my own podcast. No, I missed that one. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> the milk was, you were like, on this podcast in 1901. I was like, what? In 1901. It is a story I've told on the podcast before. I see. The yes. milk was moving. They brought it to a lab only to find out that milk, again, this is 1900, uh, it had been cut with still water, so bacteria was growing in it. And mm. the milk was, at that point, entirely horseworms that had gotten so strong from the milk that it was. Just Ew. milk jar. <laughs> Ew, yucky. Yucky. So your life is in the grocer's hands mm-hmm. when you go there. That relationship is very important. And it's nice to be a regular at a place, allegedly. Personally, I'm horrified to be a regular at any place, but <laughs> more power to them. <laughs> so in the midst of this norm, re-grocery stores, we get the birth of our main character. In 1881, a man named Clarence Saunders is born. The name ring any bells? No. Watch this space. <laughs> <laughs> By the end of this, you will know his name. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the prophet. <laughs> Clarence's childhood can most generously be described as tumultuous. Mm. His mom died when he was five. His dad, when his dad was a young man, he served in the Confederate Army. And guess what? They lost. Mm. Clar- Double homicide. <laughs> <laughs> Clarence was born in Virginia, had roughly two years of education as a tween, and then dropped out of school to work at 14. Mm. He becomes a voracious reader during his teen years and is determined to make up for lost time and lost education. By the early 1900s, he meets a rich girl and they fall in love. He's not famous enough, or dare I say romantic enough, to have their courtship publicly documented. But, this is from a biography about Clarence, quote, Perhaps their mutual love of books drew them together. He wrote poetry for her. Clarence and Carolyn Amy Saunders were married in her hometown on October 6, 1903. The couple moves to Memphis, Tennessee, where he begins working at a wholesale grocery store during a booming period in the city's history. This is where the bulk of our story is going to take place. Any questions yet? What, what city is this? Memphis, Tennessee. Memphis. Okay, cool. So that is the background of the story. That's where the <laughs> the groundwork, the space being watched, is Memphis, Tennessee, mm-hmm. which I've been to before. I loved it there. Me too. They have good barbecue. Mm. Yeah. I went for a Nick Shoulders concert. Well, you love that. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to read to you what I'm most excited about uh, throughout this episode. Clarence Saunders winds up becoming very Memphis famous for reasons that we'll talk about. And what is it to be famous in the early 1900s but to have newspapers writing about you all the time? Mm. Or in his case, also to be writing in newspapers. So, as somebody with a newspapers.com subscription, I was (laughs) pouring through newspapers from the 1900s, just reading what life was like back then and the things they reported on Mm -hmm. and the way they talked and the way the news was. Oh, it's great. So a popular Memphis mainstay newspaper, the Commercial Appeal, describes Clarence Saunders' debut in the grocery industry as such. It was a nasty, wet, cold winter, the year Clarence Saunders went into work in a wholesale grocery. To save rent, the family lived three miles out of town on the pike. It was quite a walk for Clarence morning and evening with a 12-hour stunt in between. But those were the days of fast trotters. Mm. And he often got a lift in some good sports buggy. Rubber tires were just coming in. There were no speed laws. (laughs) Times were easy. (laughs) (laughs) The rubber tires were just coming in is such a hilarious detail. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, that's isn't, sweet. Isn't that sweet? Uh, people, people were nuts back then. Yeah. The fact that anybody lived, nuts. Mm-hmm. As he's working at this wholesale grocer, he starts to understand the grocery industry a little bit better. And once again, by understanding the industry, he is seeing firsthand, you know, somebody drops a thing of flour, steps in it, scoops it back into the bag, and is like, here you go, here's your flour for the week. You know, Ew. he's seeing kind of all the ills of working in the back end of a grocery store. Mm. I say this as if I have not worked in the back end of a service industry job. (laughs) Right. Well, mm, fair. But I know, like, I mean, if rubber tires were all the rage, I'm sure he saw that. And, like, (laughs) the, like, opening chords of his I Want song, like, (laughs) cue up. And he's like, God, I wish... 
I wish things were different. <laughs> like, I feel like this could this and the way the the way they're writing things, I feel like something is to come. No, yeah, that's correct. You <laughs> are actually fucking nailing it. The way you understand dramaturgy. <laughs> My mind, my mind, dude, it's crazy. <laughs> oh, somebody asked me, somebody was like, can you have Dylan sing on the podcast? I love when people sing on the pod. <laughs> when people sing on the pod, uh, <laughs> if I feel so moved, to, to I feel song. like it would be weird to just like but, break bust out something out right now. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta feel it. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> it, that's okay. I'm just planting it now in your mind. It might be Chekhov's, um, mm. Chekhov's jukebox, as yeah. it were. Anyway. <laughs> Most biographies of Clarence Saunders discuss the economic impact of having your food supply determined in large part by the grocery store. Like, you know, people obviously, it's still the early ni- or the late 1800s, early 1900s, people are transitioning away from living off the land. If the only store that sells food cheap enough for you to purchase is um, dirty, <laughs> mm, that's that tough. sucks. That's, yeah. that, that's quite tough. But also, if it's expensive, that's even tougher. So... Uh, this is again from the commercial appeal quote when Saunders moved to Memphis he found a bunch of wholesale groceries which didn't care much for the common people even if God had made so many of them (laughs) whoa (laughs) that's such a read to God (laughs) it is a read to God (laughs) God was reading that newspaper like whoa (laughs) okay I kind of snapped on J-Lo even though it's that's a little later down the line, I guess. He's omnipotent or uh, omnipresent, whatever. Yeah, he's like, y'all haven't seen anything. <laughs> y'all don't know who I'm about to drop. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, you know, Charles Ponzi was about to step foot right. in the United States. Right. He was about to change some <laughs> So... Clarence Saunders is struck. He's inspired by this burgeoning idea, which is kind of, he's not the first person to think of this idea, so let me be so clear. Um, but he was like, what if the grocery store was self-service? And mind you, we're like literally starting at zero here. What if all the stuff was on shelves? What if the prices were marked on the shelves? Mm. What if the shelves were organized in specific aisles that led people to the edge of the store? Whoa. What if the grocer just like, what if their job was just to be a cashier and then to restock shelves? What if, what if, what if, what if we sold stuff at a tiny profit, but we sold a lot of it rather than like, you know, having three sales a day that are quite expensive? Well, what if we invented the quarter and then we had grocery carts and then you put the quarter in the cart and then you could take the grocery cart and then you would put the quarter back. Is like that Aldi's? Like Aldi's. I've ne- I've set foot in many Aldi and I've never I guess I don't use carts, I use baskets. Well, if if should you want a cart, you have to put like a quarter in and it's like a type of thing where it's like those cartoons where the person puts a quarter into the vending machine and then yanks it out with like dental floss or whatever and they're yeah. like I got you guys so that's what it feels like to get a cart. That's so interesting Clarence Saunders used to have a rental fee on the baskets and then realized very quickly that was stupid and abandoned it like within weeks well I had no idea people Aldi were still doing didn't that. hear that <laughs> Aldi had no idea that this has been said and done they're still on that yeah this is a hundred years ago too yikes yes. yikes <laughs> So all of this leads Mr. Clarence Saunders to his golden idea. Let me build the world's first patented self-service grocery store. And what's he going to name it? Babe Piggly Wiggly. Right, right. <laughs> Why did he name it Piggly Wiggly? He's never answered that question. Never? He said the like 1920s equivalent of, because fuck you, that's why. He said, mm. like, if you have to ask the question, like, th- my name's on your mind. So <gasps> it's done its job. Whoa, he's like, why are you gagging? <laughs> <laughs> Piggly wiggly, because uh, why not? We have fun here. Right, he was- we do things differently here. <laughs> We're a grocery store. <laughs> yeah, he's he said that the name just like came to him on a train. Like you know, he's also changed the story a bunch of times. Sure, like, I think it's pretty great. And in that way, deeply relatable. Yeah. So by 1916, September 11th of 1916. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Clarence Saunders opened the first ever Piggly Wiggly. That's and like a year ago almost from when we're recording. Not a year. <laughs> 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 Not a year ago. That's many years ago. It's almost the anniversary. Yes, perhaps. it's the anniversary. Yes, tomorrow's 9-11 from when we're recording it. If anyone, if anyone even fucking cares. <laughs> I also thought today was like September. Like, I thought it was like the the 18th today. Dude, <laughs> I'm so fucked. There's absolutely no concept of time. No. right now. I, I don't know if you feel that way, but I feel that mm. way. This mm-hmm. like month. 
Yeah, I felt that way, especially since I had COVID. I have no idea what day it is, oh what time gosh. it is, what date it is. And that's not even like COVID brain or anything. It's like, I just, I also don't work normally, normal schedules. Right. So, so you've been, you've been on blackout for a minute. I bartended for the first time last night and I, I haven't bartended in a while because I've doing, I've been doing a lot of dueling pianos and uh-huh. like other gigs. And now I'm such a wuss when it comes to bartending. I'm like, mm. it's late. It's nine. Mm. I've had to work <laughs> for more than two hours. Uh, I've been crying. Dude, you're a martyr. It's a gift. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Clarence could never. Clarence could never. But, um, so he opens the first Piggly Wiggly. We're not quite at the busted part of Busted Business Bureau, so I'm going to yada yada over the first couple of years. Of... Yeah, things are good. These are the early days. Right. He builds another one. He calls it Piggly Wiggly Jr., then Aww. Piggly Wiggly the third. He insisted on the brand being perceived as royal. Yeah. How does the brand become so successful? The concept does speak for itself. In a wildcat era of food safety and regulation, having stuff consistently priced, especially at a reasonable price, because also it's World War One. So <laughs> true. We hadn't even talked about the political climate of these times. No, it was in fact World War One. Oh my gosh! And in an era of literal food rationing, meatless Mondays, mm. like wheatless Wednesdays. <laughs> What? Are you laughing at meatless Mondays? No, I'm laughing because now that just sounds like an Instagram trend. (laughs) (laughs) The girlies are like, meatless Mondays. (laughs) But back then it was like, it was serious. Yeah, I knew somebody who was a vegetarian except for meaty Mondays. (laughs) Mm, Inverse. I like that. Mm -hmm. Shows progress. Yeah, yeah, it really is. um, (laughs) It's kind of a remix. Yeah, drop that thing down, flip it, and reverse (laughs) it. (laughs) (laughs) But. A substantial part of Piggly Wiggly's success comes from Saunders' advertising skills. Mm. Recall what I said earlier about him having two years of education as a tween. Apparently that's all you need, my friend, because Mm. Clarence insisted on writing his own newspaper copy. (laughs) Like, not only did he come up with the idea, he's like, I also know how to market this. Mind you, most of this guy's education was the Bible. Let me read you. Do you want to read this or do you want me to read this? Ooh. I'll read it. Okay. I want you to start at the very top and read it in order, top to bottom. (laughs) And I think this will be really funny. Okay. And if it's not, I'll cut it and I'll do it myself. The Piggly Wiggly. Patent and copyright applied for. His ears have been... (laughs) (laughs) No way. All right, fine. Is this where it's from? (laughs) Do you know what I'm... T- Wait. No, I don't know what you're talking about. This is like a TikTok sound. <laughs> That's going... Her legs were cut off. Her <laughs> eyes were carved out. It was not that. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, someone... You you have to read this because I'm not going to make it successful. But someone <laughs> out there, you will know what I'm talking about in the next moment. The Piggly Wiggly. Patent and copyright applied for. His ears have been slashed. His toes cut off. His eyes punched out. His bones broken and his face smashed. A description of what has happened to the demon of high prices. Dude. (laughs) What was he reading after he left public education? Over his mutilated form stand scores and scores of mourners who tear at their hair and bite their fingernails while they yearn for the days when the demon of high prices ruled with an iron grip. (laughs) The sentence does continue. It is, in fact, a run-on sentence. Um... It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to scare people. (laughs) Mourners of the dead dry away your tears. And if the the grocery business doesn't look good to you anymore, be happy that the consumer will now have a show and will henceforth from his throne at the Piggly Wiggly wield his scepter in the interest of his own stomach and his own pocketbook. Good heavens. Literally heavens. I'm (laughs) clutching my pearls. Yeah. This is kind of like um, brimstone and what was it? The like call to people before the U.S. left uh, Great Britain. That well, called it. <laughs> you finished your thought. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. He then goes on to like specify the actual good good parts of the store. Each item is plainly marked. A basket is furnished free. He's like shading Aldi, in which you collect mm. the different articles you desire to purchase. He's explaining the concept of his grocery store. And you know what? Like, it, it, it does draw eyes because the his ears have been slashed is like also pretty big on the screen. <laughs> pretty yeah. big text. Did you find out what you're trying to look for? No, I can't remember it, but it's like a very famous thing in history. Anyway, whatever. When I say it was immediately successful, I mean within weeks he'd opened a second one and within three months he'd opened a third. Hundreds of people shop there on day one. Within the first few years of Piggly Wiggly's existence, Saunders is able to turn it into a franchisable store. He's got the exact layout down, and that's what he patents. 
And again, there had been people who had been thinking about this for years. There were like also self-service restaurants and cafeterias and stuff. Uh, but he does get the specific patent for like the layout of the store, turnstiles at the beginning, the exact like flow of it, shall we right. say. So... He uh, he is able to make this a franchisable concept the way you can like franchise a Subway or like a Buffalo Wild Wings, you know? He creates a sliding scale plan if you want to franchise a Piggly Wiggly because obviously it costs a lot of money to start a grocery store. Yeah, that's nice. But yeah, he creates like an equation of like based on the population of your town, it would cost less for you if you have like no, if you're in a rural area mm-hmm. to like build the Piggly Wiggly. I think that's pretty neat. That's thoughtful. Yeah. In the midst of the success, he's still taking out advertisements that are kind of early versions of like you know those sappy, lengthy commercials where, like, uh, Sarah McLaughlin vibes? Not even Sarah McLaughlin. It's like this whole story happens. Like, a, a kid with a hearing aid loses it, and then, like, someone finds it for him and then hands him a Pepsi. Uh, you know, like, yeah. shit like that. Uh, the, the five gum. No, wait, no. <laughs> <laughs> or someone the, sitting in a pool of marbles. You're like, you're this, crying. Is, this is how it feels to chew five gum, obviously. <laughs> No, the extra gum commercial. I think about this all the time where it's like a dad makes like the the gum wrapper into little cranes for his daughter. Yes. And then she moves away and like drops a box and it's all the cranes. <laughs> Dude, I was unwell the day I saw that commercial and I think about it and I still get that gum. Advertising is powerful is what I'm trying to communicate here. What I am laughing so hard about is like <laughs> seeing a commercial like that of like a poor boy like finally going to the store and like, you know, the, the grocer gives him something and then he goes and he gives it to someone sick and then it ends with how it feels to chew five gum. <laughs> <laughs> that concept is like cracking me up. <laughs> five gum. God, you you guys really ate with that one. I'm not even going to (laughs) front. But Clarence Saunders is taking out advertisements like that. The poor downtrodden boy that I mentioned before. Mm. Clarence Saunders makes him kind of a character of, like, people judged him when he walked into the store, but then, like, the prices are so cheap he could actually afford it. Don't judge a book by its cover. Wow. That's Piggly right there. Yo, that's Piggly. One is about a housewife who has $3 for her whole grocery budget for the week. Mama, me too. Dude, and <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> it's like, should she go to the grocery store where she knows the guy or go to the place where she can definitely afford all the stuff? Like, that's kind of her dilemma. Wow. Yeah, like, he... <laughs> it's a riff. He is writing. He is putting pen to paper. Um, Christians, specifically, like, really religious people, no drama. Like, Puritanism, that kind of... Yeah. Like, yeah. You gotta feel so bad remember those tiktoks of people getting the vaccine and that one she's like (laughs) shaking she's like literally shaking not even that one she's like next in line for the vaccine and she's like crying and it's like i'm not gonna take it And like seven years in the future she's in jail and it's like (laughs) these delusional stories oh my gosh so one thing about christians is they can make drama they know how they know storytelling and i mean that sincerely yes yes so uh, As Cla- a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> Clarence Saunders has written once, one day people will be proud of Memphis because of Piggly Wiggly. And mm. it shall be said by all men, kindred and tongues, that the Piggly Wiggly shall multiply and replenish the earth with more and cleaner things to eat. Hmm. Mm. But he's also fucking insane and he's also written this. Memphis will become famous as the home of Piggly Wiggly. Now laugh, you boob. <laughs> <laughs> Dance, monkey, dance. <laughs> because while this is all going on, um, and this is literally the sidebar that I have myself, people are acclaiming him to be fucking nuts. And I'm also- Oh, I'm also I see a- that. Acclaiming him to be fucking nuts. Sure. People, like business analysts, if you can call it that at the time, are like, this is never going to work. Piggly Wigglies, this is dumb. People yeah. need a grocer. They need to- They I need know. their guy. They need their guy. Um, but I would like to take a sidebar that he is sincerely nuts, and not for the reasons that- you know, analysts at the time were saying, mm. I think this guy's just got to screw loose. And I, I live, laugh, love that for him. Good for him. Quote, oh, this is from a lengthy book. Uh, what the hell is this book called? Clarence Saunders and the Founding of Piggly Wiggly, The Rise and Fall of a Memphis Maverick. Hmm. Mm-hmm. This book is tedious to read. It's by this guy, Mike Friedman, or Freeman. So, many friends called him a genius who had an uncanny ability to concentrate upon each task. He dressed in excellent taste, there was no atmosphere of flower barrels and cabbages about the Piggly Wiggly Man, commented one. He gets down to the work. Mm-hmm. The uncanny ability to concentrate upon each task is kind of like <laughs> making well, me giggle. Well, yeah, you he does each task. Yeah. <laughs> of course, with the initial success, he immediately gets imitators. One particularly egregious example is the Hoggle Woggle Woggle <laughs> Stop. 
That's so, so here's, overt. <laughs> here's what he has to say about that. He called imitators, quote, a snoopy, oozle-spined creature whose avocation was pussyfooting around the brain workings Ooh. of an originator. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you boobs. <laughs> So, in the middle of them suing the Hogglety Wogglety, uh, quote, Saunders and his lawyers gathered evidence for infringement lawsuits and expected to win. Not content to rely just on his lawyers, he made his own study of business law through correspondence courses. Real. Right. <laughs> uh, here's another great detail about him. Quote, those who did like Saunders often remained steadfastly loyal to him. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Eva Johnson was his personal secretary for 35 years. He trusted her so much that he allowed her to fill out her paycheck with whatever amount she felt was appropriate. Now, Eva. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't be bothered with the details, she insisted. Oh, my gosh. That's literally the plot of so many movies. <laughs> this dude. Is it? The, uh, it's like uh, one of Name about- five. Maybe. Well. I'm kidding. <laughs> so here's another one for you. Quote, his extraordinary temper did not make him a detached, calm art critic. He once slashed a portrait of himself with a knife and threw the artist out of his house after paying his $10,000 fee. Okay. At least we pay artists. <laughs> <laughs> we love that. But he's... His very particular way of dressing and being, I'm like, man, what, a, what an eccentric fella. It sounds like he's just a little autistic. <laughs> I wanted someone else to say it. I didn't want me to say it. <laughs> but as I was reading this, I could only think to myself, like, I get it. I, too, am crazy and spend way too much time doing particular tasks and would also take an entire business class just to understand how to better prosecute my imitators. Mm. He's also clearly, like, he's also clearly a scrappy, hungry, desperate fella, like, trying to prove himself in the business world and to his rich wife's family. He's the son of a sharecropper from Virginia. You know, like, coming up from that, he's got a lot to prove. Yeah. He's brimming with ideas. He is literally young, scrappy, and hungry, and he is not going to throw away his shot. <laughs> <laughs> it's still out of mind that let's talk about a huge thing that went wrong. It's going to go so wrong. No. At this point, Piggly Wiggly is getting huge. Here are some precise numbers from Freeman's book. A typical Piggly Wiggly store sold as much as three to five thousand goods, of uh, five thousand dollars of goods a week. Mm. Clarence Saunders turned forty on August 9, nineteen twenty-one. In September of nineteen twenty-one, at the fifth anniversary of Piggly Wiggly, they owned or leased six hundred and fifteen stores in two hundred cities in forty states. Their combined sales were now over sixty million dollars. <gasps> oh my goodness! In the twenties, Piggly Wiggly was the largest user of newspaper advertising space in the country. <laughs> he's, Ten- like, he's like popping these, these articles out like nothing. He's like, he, he's, it's giving Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> this is literally the plot of Hamilton. 10,000 inches of space per week. <laughs> That's a lot. It's too much. Dude. He's so bored. Remember <laughs> that Saunders had franchised a bunch of Piggly Wigglies. While many Piggly Wigglies... <laughs> We're doing extraordinarily well, especially in the rural areas. Mm. There were a few franchises in New York and New Jersey that were not doing so hot. The pigs, they did not wiggle in the East Coast. Mm. So you know what else is really close to the New York, New Jersey area is the New York Stock Exchange. Now is the time to unfortunately take a break and talk about stocks again. Yawn. (laughs) Yawn. (laughs) The Piggly Wiggly made its initial public offering in February of 1922. By April of 1922, the company sold 50,000 shares at $43 a share on the market. This is in part another source of financing. Like, I'm explaining to you now how stocks work. Forgive me. I know this is patronizing, but I barely have a a tenuous grasp. uh, Let me tell you, I don't mind. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like little pieces of the company that people would buy so that, first of all, Clarence can have more money to make more Piggly Wigglies Mm. or improvements or whatever. And the better Piggly Wiggly does, the more that these shares will be worth so they can cash in for more money than what they bought it for. Basic explanation of stocks. Forgive me again. That's a super patronizing explanation. But I need to take another second for a sidebar. I'm about to explain an intricacy of the stock market that I previously have explained on the podcast. Mm -hmm. The reason I have not retained any of this information is because the articles are so fucking annoying to read. Sure. The thing that constantly confuses me is what is the literal mechanism of stock prices going up and down? Is it like a guy deciding? Is it an algorithm? Hmm. It, like, what is it? And then the articles are like, why supply and demand? Of course. Dude. That doesn't make any sense! That's yawn, boring, <laughs> sloppy, lazy. So, again, main question was, I understand how a company can get valued on the stock market. I promise we're getting somewhere interesting. Um, 
so let's say like Piggly Wiggly is worth what I say, $43 a share. I understand how that's calculated, but then how does it go up or down? Apparently yeah. the answer is buyers or sellers. If somebody's willing to buy it at 43, somebody else can be like, well, would you buy it at 44? And then if everybody's doing that, then the stock is now worth 44. Okay. It is individuals who move it up and down. Everyone is their own grocer in this way. <laughs> Because they're like, well, I like this brand, so I'll pay a little more. I had Allie Fisher explain to me in voice message how <laughs> a bunch of the stock stuff works that I'm about to do. And she compared it to like selling a can of beans. You know, if you've got a can of beans that's worth $10 and somebody's willing to pay 11 for it, then you can sell it at 11 And then other people are like, damn, that can of beans is worth $11. Hey, other guy, I'll pay $11 for this can of beans, et cetera, et cetera. It just kind of like naturally moves up and down with supply and demand, of course. Right, naturally. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> so, back to Piggly Wiggly. What had happened was a bunch of Piggly Wigglies had started to fail in the New York, New Jersey area. So a bunch of stock traders in the area thought, what if we short Piggly Wiggly stock? And I've explained shorting on the podcast before and I'll explain it again. Mm. <laughs> so... Christian just pulled on her suspenders. I know you guys can't see, but it was like a big, big business. Took the cigar out of her mouth. <laughs> Let me tell you how shorting a stock works, kid. So there are large groups of people, large companies that I barely understand what they are, that will buy, for example, 100,000 Piggly Wiggly shares. That way, when Piggly Wiggly does well, this company has made millions of dollars. Right. You know, like, the scale of stocks is incredible. So, when people know that a company is about to start doing badly, here's what they will do. They will say, hey, big holding company, can I borrow a thousand shares of this Piggly Wiggly stock that you have? Like, I'm not going to pay you for them. I'm going to borrow them. Mm -hmm. I will then sell them to somebody else for $10 a share. Then, once the value of Piggly Wiggly inevitably drops, I'm going to purchase that thing back and just give it back to the person I borrowed from. Which then, I could see your eyes glazing over. <laughs> <laughs> you had me and then you lost me. So I've got, I've borrowed a share, one share of Piggly Wiggly stock from you. Mm -hmm. I have sold it on Friday for $10. Then, over the weekend, like I've pocketed that $10. Over the weekend, Piggly Wiggly stock drops to $1. Got it. I then buy it back, give it back to you, and pocket the $9. And you don't know any of the wiser. Right. Unless your your finger's on the pulse, which likely it's not if you're like, hey, third person, you could go ahead and do this. But also, like, you know, that company that you've borrowed it from owns millions of these shares. They also know it's going to be, like, dropping in value. Okay. And the contract they signed with you doesn't leave you liable for the company, like, separately going down. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. That's good. So Then steal. Then steal. <laughs> That's the conclusion. So uh, what they call it, it, they call it shorting, not stealing. Ah, <laughs> my, my apologies, business so, people. <laughs> so when you know a company's about to do bad, shorting, a bet, which is betting against a stock, you're betting that it's going to drop mm. and that you're going to be able to pocket that money and just give those stocks back. You know what I mean? Yes. So when a bunch of people start shorting, a bunch of people start selling the stock, that also naturally just makes the price drop. <laughs> Because, right. again, the stock market makes no fucking sense. Right. Well, yeah. But you, I... You're following. understanding. Yes. So, a bunch of folks start shorting the fuck out of Piggly Wiggly stock. And that selling, again, drives the stock down. If you're wondering... I'm going to take a brief pause. Clarence Saunders is aware that this is happening. Uh, are you wondering what he has to say about it? What What does Clarence has to have to say about it? In the ads, he assumed the role of a white knight fighting evil speculators. Quote, shall the gambler rule? On a high horse he rides. Bluff is his coat of mail, and thus he is shielded in a yellow heart. His helmet deceit, and the hoofbeats of his horse in the thunder destruction. Shall good business flee? Shall it tremble with fear? Shall it be the loot of the speculator? Dude, this is Shakespeare. I know. It's That's like, crazy. He's a really prolific writer. Yeah, wow. Good for him. I know. So what does all this lead him to do? Remember that in 2021, a bunch of nerds on Reddit all got together to buy stock at GameStop, yes. which would then drive the price up. Oh, yeah. So he does that just himself. He just buys all <laughs> Clarence. Clarence, no. Pre-Reddit? Pre-Reddit. Well, he didn't have a million dudes on Reddit to like help him. He didn't have r slash Wall Street bets. Mm. So he just bought all of the shares of Piggly Wiggly himself. Wow. Which... 
then drives up the price and the people trying to short the stock are now fucked. Sure. Because they've bought it, they've sold it for $10, now they have to buy it back at 100 Oh my god. They've goodness. lost $90 on the deal. Damn. Do you understand? Yeah, it wasn't supposed to work like that. It was not. The beans are so <laughs> expensive now. How did this happen? Inflation is crazy. How are we supposed to know that the big pig, Mr. Piggly Wiggly himself, was going to dupe us all? You said the big pig. The big pig? <laughs> and I mean it. The pig himself. Dude. So I want to sit with that for a moment. This Poor boy. The son of a sharecropper slash failed Confederate army vet from Virginia has this awesome idea for a business. He starts it. It does well on the whole. But some random fucking dicks in New York start monkeying with the stock to drive the price down. Mm. What's a boy to do? Just go into horrible debt and buy it all back yourself. Oh, he didn't just have that money? No. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that was foolish of me to assume. You know what? No, it was fair of you. The book goes into like the tedious day-to-day month-by-month explanation of the drama of like where his money came from mm. blah 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 I did not find it interesting enough to retain that's fine nor does any article like I had a slate article kind of help me out understanding what the hell happened mm-hmm. I'm just not interested in all of that that's okay but Towards the very end, Clarence is yielded as a small-town hero. From Memphis, he's the guy that, like, stood up to Wall Street. He also demands to cash out. He's like, all you're going to pay me, like, $200 a share. Like, pay up. It, your time has come. Whoa. So he's, like, the guy who beat Wall Street. People from Memphis love him. What happens next? <laughs> the New York Stock Exchange just forbids Piggly Wiggly stock from being traded, and they take it off the stock market that day. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, he got 08 He What? <laughs> like the housing crash of 08. <laughs> <laughs> they 08 him up, dude. Dude, it's over. <laughs> that sucks. Yo, I've never heard 08 as a verb. <laughs> <laughs> I just have the mind of a mastermind in that way. <laughs> so Clarence Saunders immediately falls into millions of dollars worth of debt. Dude. He has to sell off the fancy property he'd been building, which, have you ever been to the Pink Palace Museum in Memphis? No. Oh, well, that was his house. <gasps> and it's now the Pink Palace Museum. the Pink Museum. Palace? The Pink Palace. It was mm. supposed to be his. But now it belongs to Memphis. It is a museum now. She belongs to the streets. I also <laughs> true. I also didn't go when I was in Memphis because I was like, I don't give a shit. But now, if I go again mm. to see my boyfriend Nicholas Shoulders, right? <laughs> he doesn't know that he's my boyfriend yet, but he'll find out. <laughs> and you'll get married in the Pink Palace. Ah, uh, one thing about Mr. Clarence is he does not take a licking without keeping on ticking. Huh. He <laughs> tries then to get Memphis people to, like, informally buy stock in his company, just, like, not through the New York Stock Exchange. I assume that is kind of what's going on. I honestly didn't care enough to bother with the details of how you could buy stock in a company that's not on the New York Stock Exchange. But his core pitch was that this is a business that's ultimately good for Memphis. Investing in it is investing in the future of Memphis. And again, this guy was, like, pretty well-liked. From Freeman, Memphian's response was immediate and genuine. More than 350 friends came to a banquet in his honor at the Hotel Gayosa in March of 1923. A reporter from the Commercial Appeal was excited by the event. Quote, It was the most remarkable demonstration of civic loyalty that Memphis had witnessed since the stirring days of the Civil War. Okay, kind of kind of a loaded like comparison <laughs> to say that this is really bringing people together. Uh, <laughs> Just like the war did. <laughs> Famously, the war really brought everyone together. The Civil War? The si- Dude. <laughs> Read the room. <laughs> Read the room. It's like, you lost, buddy. That's Dude. such loser energy. Dude. And this, I kind of have a feeling this is about to be big loser energy. Yeah, well. Where he's like, guys, mm, they won't let me be on Wall Street. <laughs> Will you buy my stock? <laughs> well, actually, uh, he this is not an unsuccessful pitch for kind of a long time. He's a lot of rich friends who are helping, like, kind of bail him out. Sure. As it were. And um, ultimately, though, the efforts do fail. Womp. Womp. <laughs> <laughs> he loses control of the Piggly Wiggly. He's broke. He's got nothing to show for his name. My understanding, before I continued to read the book, was that he spent years before his next business venture. Not so. Within a few months, Clarence had decided to open a different grocery store. But he was stopped in litigation by the old folks at Piggly Wiggly. Their argument was that his recklessness had pushed the company into, like, a huge decline near bankruptcy. So, from Freeman, quote, 
the Piggly Wiggly receivership case proved to be a difficult and complicated decision mm. of like, is Clarence Saunders liable? Did he know? Was he committing? Oh my God, I'm sorry. I'm going to take a break. Um, in okay. 1920, <laughs> Charles Ponzi was being convicted on mail fraud. Okay. <laughs> like that was their clever way to like convict him for doing a scheme. Mm-hmm. So they're just doing this again. They're trying to charge him for mail fraud. <laughs> and I thought I just found it worth mentioning that like they were like everything is going to be mail fraud now. Yeah, the BBB heads are going crazy in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, dude, it's happening again. <laughs> Anyways, the Piggly Wiggly re- receivership case proved to be a difficult and complicated decision. 5 months later on Friday, February 22nd, 1924, Lovick Miles pressed for, it doesn't matter who that is, pressed for a quick decision in the case. The judge literally threw up his hands. <laughs> <laughs> Such a case, he said, would take at least four or five additional months of concentrated labor. Searching through the documents was tedious. There were at least 500 pages of financial audits alone to read. Yeah. The job was made more difficult because of the inaccurate records kept by Saunders and the corporation. <laughs> Some things that were pertinent to the case were not documented at all. Oh, but that girl was writing her checks, though. <laughs> Miss Eva, she was fine. <laughs> like, listen, I missed a couple documents here and there. That's my bad. I'll say it. Dude. Yeah, it would have been her job. She's the secretary. <laughs> this court case had pushed Saunders out of his home and again into near bankruptcy. But soon, and by soon I mean within months, Saunders revealed his plans. Quote, for six months, I've been in court with no business and no income. I must make a living. I will open up a new store in 50 days. My new chain of stores will be just as big as a success as my first creation, the Piggly Wiggly. So the old guard of Piggly Wiggly, they're fucking mortified. Okay. Mm. He's publicly saying that he's going to start a new grocery store while in the middle of a lengthy and tedious court case with Piggly Wiggly. So what do they do? They sue him again. Double homicide. (laughs) Again. (laughs) It's, It's squared now. It's quadruple. Dude. This is too much. Arguing in part that his name and fame are inextricably linked with Piggly Wiggly's marketing. Right. He can't just make a new grocery store that's like Steve Jobs starting a new company that also sells like touchscreen phones. What do you think is going to happen? Put yourself in Clarence's shoes. You've got plans drawn up for this new store. Plenty of friends who would finance and staff it despite your bankruptcy. But you've got the old Piggly Wiggly folks breathing down your neck with more lawyerly nonsense. What do? Okay, I don't think I'd actually do this, but this type of stress reminded me about (laughs) when I was younger and I would play like Grand Theft Auto and you would see the stars start stacking up as the police follow you. The stars is like your rating on how uh, much you've ticked off the cops, basically. (laughs) And it would get to five and it would just be so stressful. (laughs) I would drive into the water and die. (laughs) I would simply force eject. I'd be like... They're not getting me like this. So, <laughs> if you're Clarence Saunders, you kill yourself. I don't want to say that though, because like, like obviously I want him to like. <laughs> what a terrible guess! I'd be like, well, I'd kill myself. <laughs> if you're asking me, I'd kill myself. <laughs> oh my gosh, no! I would probably text my dad. <laughs> financial aid on the phone be like dude it's over maybe i'd start like a a brand that is nothing related to grocery stores maybe i would become a girl scout i don't know (laughs) like he's not exploring his options i'm i'm fascinated to know what he's gonna do now that i've really hyped him up to kill himself (laughs) my bad i hope he doesn't (laughs) for what it's worth That is a real date. Clarence Saunders stood at the front of a building. And this is again from Freeman. From on top of an icebox, a syncopating jazz orchestra played When I Get You Alone and other hit tunes. Saunders was triumphant. Um, He later wrote of the evening, The charm of it all. The lasting memory that I shall keep of this day is the refreshing fragrance of life. He opened a store called Clarence Saunders' sole owner of my name's store. (laughs) 
And okay. it's called the Clarence Saunders, sole owner of my name store. Oh my gosh. They, okay. Well, so he said, you know how you guys are suing me for like, you know, my namesake being attached to a store? Mm-hmm. Fuck you, I'm going to open a store with my name on it and say I own so my name. So petty, so petty in camp. I love it. I'm obsessed. Yeah. Just for fun, here's another Clarence Saunders original advertisement that I found. Please. Lick your mouth. <laughs> that starts. Do it. <laughs> Think of the luscious sweetness of a watermelon. Think of chicken fried and lemonade on the side. Think of July 4th as the celebration day for your tired and rusty bones. Mm. Even a cross-eyed witch would take on a good disposition if she should travel into a Clarence Saunders store today. Mm. Even a dried-up, parsimonious, hairless skin flint would chuckle because of the bargains glistening at the Clarence Saunders store. Dude, I would hate to cross this guy. He'd call me so many mean things. Even widows, orphans, relatives, and <laughs> stockholders <laughs> would find joy and profit at the Clarence Saunders store. Glory be! Our customers are our stockholders. Not 1,000, but 200,000 in Memphis. Our dividends are paid daily in cash savings to each customer, whether they be a widow, widower, orphan, relative, or stockholder. <laughs> oh. Mama. <laughs> this is garbage. <laughs> He's like, oh, we'll have, we'll have the orphans, we'll have the widows, we'll have those dirty bastards from New York. <laughs> These dirty bitches. <laughs> So I got another newspaper thing because I went crazy on this newspaper stuff. I mean, he's he's a genius. So this one is not a Clarence Saunders original. Fine. But uh, the, the way this one started out just like cracked me up. So back in the day, newspapers used to advertise the price of groceries at places. So like you get the cheapest apples here at like Target. You can get like the cheapest asparagus at Whole Foods, whatever, which famously both existed back in the day. So <laughs> that was like a staple part of newspapers. This one starts off. What woman doesn't like shopping? <laughs> Period. Period. <laughs> so then it's got a bunch of examples of not only the Piggly Wiggly, but the Clarence Saunders, like, just in it, which was really cracking me up. Hmm. Like, Piggly Wiggly and Clarence Saunders are in competition now directly. So, all that is fine and good. The Clarence Saunders store, excuse me, they do try to indict him, and then one of the guys on the cases dies, and then it just never happens. <laughs> That's tough. It's tough. Yeah. All that's fine and good, but newspaper and advertisements can't carry you forever. Mm. So in 1928, Clarence Saunders, I, every time I say a date, I want to say killed himself. <laughs> <laughs> that was the last we saw. <laughs> in 1928, Clarence Saunders bought a professional football team and named them Clarence Saunders, sole owner of my name, Tigers. <laughs> dude, this dude is so random. <laughs> this dude is so random and crazy. Most people know them as the Tigers. This is not a football team that ever joined the National Football League. But their short history is still pretty interesting. I'm pulling this quote from a Memphis historical article about coach houses Mm. that bewilderingly uh, the author chose to dive into the sports history of the Tigers. I don't understand it. Anyways, what is astonishing is that the Tigers had teeth. They played NFL teams from around the country and chewed them up every game. In their 1928 mm-hmm. season, they defeated the Nashville Greenies 33 to nothing, the Cleveland Panthers 43 to nothing, the St. Louis Trojans 67 to nothing. Dude, was anyone trying? <laughs> <laughs> what they were did, you guys doing? They were rehearsing. <laughs> <laughs> they had a big show tomorrow. It's like you guys know this is real, right? Oh my god. On December 16, 1929, when the world champion Green Bay Packers came, they lost to the Tigers 20 to 6. A bunch of sore losers, the Packers whined that they weren't used to the intense humidity down there. In December? That's what the article says. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Saunders, this is still from the article, never one to spend too much time on any one endeavor, eventually disbanded the team because he didn't want to travel to other cities for games. The most surprising and depressing part of all this is in 1930, the fledgling National Football League, highly impressed with the Memphis Tigers, actually invited Saunders to join their organization and he refused. What? So uh, the article was saying, like, Memphis could have had a, a, a pro yeah. NFL team, but we don't because Clarence Saunders got bored by the idea. Well, it's probably that. And I imagine, like, they, like, huddle up before the game and, you know, everyone goes, like, on three. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's like, on three. Clarence, Clarence Saunders, so owner, owner of my name. <laughs> Tigers. Woo. <laughs> 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 and it took so long. <laughs> they got tired. <sighs> They're like, we can't travel. <laughs> We're exhausted. What do the jerseys look like? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. The, 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 the person printing them? Oh, my God. 
<laughs> and you know they're printing it letter by letter back then. <laughs> He's like stamping them on. He's like, how many people are on this team? <laughs> I got a wife and kids at home. <laughs> I know that's just, like, a random detail in this guy's otherwise business-packed life, but, like, I get it. I also do major moves and then immediately move on and yes. forget about it. Yes. Yes, I get it. He's kooky and crazy, and we love that. So, um, by April 10th of 1927, a year before what I just mentioned, um, he'd actually written off his final check to the Piggly Wiggly, and he was completely free of debt. Like, the Clarence Saunders stores had gotten so successful, it took him out of bankruptcy and back into the rich class. Like, he is just pinging back and forth between being rich and poor at an astonishing rate. Wow. <laughs> so, unfortunately, uh, life gets in the way, and the Clarence Saunders sole owner of my name store completely folded in 1932 because the Great Depression. Oh, I should have felt that coming when we hit the 20s. Yeah. Rats. Stock market stuff. Dude. Great Depression. So the rest of this guy's life is not so great. He divorced his prim Victorian wife because of his temper, clearly was uh, a, a pain to be around, mm. married someone substantially younger than him. I get it. Ew. What? What? <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I was saying that as a joke. <laughs> no, I get it. Like, <laughs> it's just no. like, that's what business people do, you know? Bus- yeah, he's a uh, textbook. I appreciate that. Right. He tried to invent a business that was a fully automated grocery store before the microchip was invented. And, like, he got pretty far in the plans. Yeah. Like, had a working model, like, opened a store. It was just, like, wildly expensive and bad. (laughs) And Mm. nobody wanted it yet. It's against his core values. Hmm. He's just got to... He's straight away from the truth. You you either die a hero... (laughs) He should have killed himself. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. So, what, you're not going to like what I have to say next. Oh, no. He succumbs to a heart condition, and he winds up dying at the Wallace Sanatorium, a place that is literally there. Like I found this in the Memphis Historical Archives. It's like a drug addiction, alcoholism, mental, and nervous diseases place. He had checked himself in there several times. None of the newspapers, and I mean none, make any note of the fact that he did die of a heart disease there. I'm not like about to do a reveal or anything. Sure. They don't make any mention of the fact that it's at least I would find it weird for him to have died in a mental institution. Yeah. I don't know if it was normal back then. Like Back then, like, mental institutions were, like, famously incredibly abusive towards the people and, like, mm-hmm. gaslit all of them into, like, having these, like, diagnoses that were not actually true and, like, actually right. tortured them. So, like, you have to question whether or not mm-hmm. what was going on in there. I would question that, but also, like, I am confused that no newspaper made any mention. Like, all of the things that you're saying, completely true. Mm -hmm. If a famous person now died at a mental hospital, that would be of note. Yeah, or, like, in rehab. Like, that's going to be in the first three words of the headline. Yeah, But there's no note. There's no, like, commentary. So I'm wondering, like, did people, like, was this also just a regular hospital? Because, like, there are doctors that work there, and, like, it's a normal place to die. Yeah, maybe that there's I'd... a separate medical wing. Right. That's yeah. what is confusing, and I did not find any answers. I was on newspapers.com Googling every instance of Wallace Sanatorium to see the conditions, mm-hmm. if it's weird to die there, nothing. It's just like, now there's a new director. I believe it. Well, now uh, listeners have a new reason to uh, leave a review. Let mm. us know <laughs> in the reviews when you get five stars. Yeah, I would like to know more about that history. I didn't find it. I would also, I was also like, what's it like to be in a sanatorium in the fifties? You know, just like trying to find the conditions. Obviously, awful. Yeah. Um, you, you get like electroshock therapy for breathing the wrong direction of a nurse. But <laughs> damn, Clarence is like, I saw that nurse pick up flour and put it back in the bag. <laughs> <laughs> so that is actually where our story ends because the Piggly Wiggly persists without Clarence Saunders. The Clarence Saunders sole owner of my name stores, those do not necessarily persist. Mm. The Key Doozle, that was the thing that, that was a fully automated grocery store. Key does it all. Key Doozle. That's what he okay, called it. Okay, cool. Does not persist. Mm. Excuse me. I'm drinking a beer. Um, <laughs> these things do not persist. His legacy is that of the Piggly Wiggly. <laughs> did you enjoy hearing the crazy stories from 100 years ago about the Piggly Wiggly? I did. It was interesting to know that he was like... uh he cared about like the quality of experience mm-hmm. for people going into grocery stores because even today like I go to a, into a grocery store 
I black out. Like I, <laughs> I can't speak for everyone, but I'm like, I vanish, and I'm like, I don't know where I am until I check out, and I'm like, I've just spent a hundred plus dollars at Target. Literally me. <laughs> so, I appreciate the fact if I had to go up to someone and be like, well, I guess back to the Instacart thing. Okay, it all comes it, back. Right, it, it, and I'm putting my stuff in. I'm like throwing caution to the wind where it's like, I see what I want and I know not to expect what I want. Interesting. And so I think he had he had good intent and he solved a true human crisis, not crisis probably, but for me, <laughs> my personal crises, retroact or actively, wait, proactively. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks for that. It also did precipitate mass production in grocery stores which then ultimately leads to less good products which like not something he would know mm. you know what i mean yeah he only read so much <laughs> he only read so much bible before they get to the part about mass production <laughs> uh wow but yeah it is kind of interesting to see like how this i would say really good idea especially in such a difficult food era mm-hmm. it's fun to see the roots of like how I find grocery stores to be like just abhorrent in the U.S. now. Yeah, to see the origin of it. Yeah, and Have how. You ever... Oh, sorry. Finish your thought, please. No, that was basically the end. Okay. Uh, I was just gonna ask. Have you ever been in a Piggly Wiggly? I've been in one Piggly Wiggly because I don't go to the South a lot, but I love the South. I love being there. Yeah. But one time I've been in a Piggly Wiggly. Mm. I haven't been to Piggly Wiggly, but I I remember there was a TikTok trend. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> Where people were. People were wittily hitting the gritty into Piggly Wiggly. <laughs> Do you know what that means? I don't. Do you I, know what the gritty is? The dance? No. <sighs> I say this as somebody with 26,000 followers on TikTok. I don't go on TikTok. That's I don't amazing. consume it. That's like so powerful of you, actually. <laughs> you, everything I learned about you is the most ridiculous, amazing thing I've ever heard about a human being. <laughs> you are an enigma like me, and I love that. <laughs> But yeah, I don't go on TikTok, so no, I don't know what any of that means, but I assume it's a dance that people did. Dude, the listeners are going crazy. <laughs> I know they're laughing in their little ears. Yeah, a lot of my listeners do come from TikTok, because I, I, you know, Fascinating. have a lot of reach from, from there. That makes sense. I have not posted in a, about a year, mm. but... That's okay. I haven't had a real banger since I put <laughs> 50,000 Orbeez in my bathtub, famously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well... That's about the end of this Busted Business Bureau episode. Do you want to leave people with any thoughts? Uh, wow. <laughs> I had a great time. Thank you, Christian, for having me. Um, yeah, that's it. Uh, being, uh, being nice to people who work in grocery stores. Yeah. So many of them are students or people like, like my mom who does all the work because the students don't do the work. <laughs> Get him. <laughs> my mom recently. <laughs> Say it. She... My mom is like such a funny person. Uh, one time me and my friend from high school went into the grocery store she worked at and she introduced us to all of her co-workers and she would be like, this is Dylan. This is my and this is uh, my friend. Uh, they're my kids. And then to the next person, they would be like, this is Dylan. This is my kid. And this is uh, they're dating. <gasps> And then the next person, they're twins. <laughs> we left that day because, like, me and this person, like, we do look vaguely f- similar. But it was like we left and I'm like, I OK, I don't know how often you go here, but I go here when I come home. And so everyone's going to think I'm either incestuous. <laughs> just, I maybe missed the beginning of the story. Was it just your friend? Yes. Your mom is an agent of chaos. <laughs> she, she is. She's a Scorpio. So, <laughs> And then the other day, she this was like <laughs> like last week, she left me a five-minute voice memo. And she didn't realize she had done this. Um, but she is like humming in the beginning and leaving work. And then she gets on her scooter. She has a scooter. Okay. <laughs> and, she, and you just hear, <laughs> and she <laughs> drives home. <laughs> the scooter stops and she gets off it and she's something she's like I guess she's set I don't know how she's sending another voice memo while she's sending me this five minute voice memo and she's like something about wet diarrhea and then she calls out to my dad and that's the end of the memo (laughs) this is like a full five minutes and I I didn't respond because like 
I know she didn't mean to send that because in the beginning you also hear her put her phone in something like a bag. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I'll plug my mom, not me. You can follow her on Instagram, Chef Helene, H-E-L-E-N-E three. Great. Yeah. I have nothing to add after that. (laughs) Be nice to people who work in grocery stores. It's a really stressful environment and they are doing their best. Yes. Always say thank you. Always say thank you. Yeah. Practice gratitude. (laughs) Every day. I'm grateful for you being on this podcast. Oh, I'm grateful for you for doing all this research. It's, it's, it does not go unnoticed. Aww. You're really good at this. Oh, and I appreciate you. Stop it. All right. Well, I'll see you in about two seconds when I take the headphones off. All right. This has been Busted Business Bureau. Thank you so much for listening. I'm grateful for you for listening. Aww. Thank you to everybody. I will see you in either a week or two. We'll find out. Yay. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>